Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Today, I have to tell you, you guys are going to love this episode. We're talking about rubber duckies. Yes, rubber duckies. I can't even wait. I have been counting down to do this interview today with Craig Wolf. Craig, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I've been really looking forward to this. Thank you. I could not wait. I could not wait. So, all right. So, Craig, I am so excited for you to tell your story because while you're in this rubber ducky space, that's not really where it started, right? You, Celebra Ducks is your business, but talk about the background and how you got started. Yeah. Here. Well, you know, it's really funny. I was an English major in college, you know, and because uh, that's the only thing I really enjoyed. Um, graduated, had absolutely zero direction. One of these people, you know, it's really simple with me. If I don't feel inspired, I <laughs> can't really do it. I'm out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, Justin, I, I just don't function in an environment where I'm not inspired. So I literally, honestly, I was very nervous when I graduated college because I, I literally had zero direction, zero. And one day I walk into a store and they have a picture of Mickey, a Mickey Mouse 1935 animation drawing. And for people who aren't familiar with that, those are the original drawings that the animators did when they created those beautiful color cartoons. And it all started, the key animators, they did the pencil drawings first and someone else would clean them up, someone else would color them. But the original top animators did the pencil drawings. And I saw it hanging on the wall and I go, to the guy in the store, go, you can own these things. He goes, yeah, <laughs> yes, and you know you the '30s were the vintage Disney cartoons. Those were the best. Got Those they were the best. And I said, that's what I want to do. And I started this little business buying and selling Disney original vintage animation art. I'd find them squirreled away in people's households in Los Angeles. You know, I just found them and created this little business, and that's what I did. And then it kind of grew a little bit, and then. I had this idea, which came really in a very funny way. Once again, um, out of the blue, I was walking by a window in Macy's department store. And (laughs) in the window, they had all these old Coca-Cola machines. Sure. And the old, old, you know, the ones that you don't see anymore with the glass bottles, they had picnic baskets and they had, and and this old sayings, you know, drink refreshed. And I, and it was like an epiphany hit me. It was like I was struck by lightning. I swear to God, I go, <laughs> yes. I love this. Yes. Why doesn't Coke market their animation art from their commercials to Coke Bears, which is coming out the same way Disney does it? So I had this idea that no one's doing this, you know, but it would be the same feeling. There's probably like a ton of people who love Coke and they love the Coke Bears. Why don't we find a way to market it? So I, I call Coke. Well, took a year a year <laughs> sure i worked there for 10 to, so I, I can imagine you know right i mean they don't move fast and they right. didn't really understand what i was talking about and no one ever marketed artwork from their commercials they're just based on selling coca-cola you know and and here and not on on top of that the coke bears were computer generated ah, how do you get the, the polar imagery bears, out right. of the computer yep. onto acetate like a disney animation cell with their hand drawn and painted on acetate you know like little plastic things now you're in the computer so i had to figure all that out wow and coke finally came around they liked the idea and they said okay okay we'll let you do it and no way to really 
market it, um, you know, because it was just an idea. Sure. You know, I, I really, you know, when I, by, by the time I actually created one, I really didn't market to actually sell these things. Right. And then one day I got a call from the people who were doing the co-catalog, which was amazing. Oh, yeah. It was 15 minutes from my house. Oh, and I'm in California, Coach wow. in Atlanta. Yep. They're doing the catalog 15 minutes from my house. They go, hey, a product just dropped out. If you can get down here and bring your little Coke animation cell, we'll take a look. <laughs> wow. Jumped in the car, went down there, saw it. They loved it. Long story short, became one of the top selling products in the catalog. We must, wow. you know, honestly, that Coke bears, they probably bought this house. And <laughs> when I finished with Coke, I go, well, if it can work for Coke, why not Anheuser-Busch, right. M&M Mars, Pillsbury, Campbell Soup, yep. Nike, you know, the California Raisins. I just rolled through all these different things, and, and that's how I built my business. It was all artwork and became probably the largest publisher of artwork from television commercials in the country, just doing this niche that, funny enough to me, no one else had ever thought of, you know, but that's but they you did. know what sometimes things like that happen right I mean and it, the cool thing is you didn't just have the idea and not do something with it you had the idea and you actually did something with it yeah and and, and the funny thing about me is I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed you know what I mean like I I I know that about <laughs> myself I've never I've never felt bad about it growing I've always surrounded myself by really smart people oh, I really love smart people my the, my art people everyone who works for me you know they're brilliant you know I I'm just amazed by their talents. But what I've always been good at, knowing my liabilities, is bringing in the type of help I need. Ah, to finding the do right the people. I need to do. Got it. Yeah, finding the right people. So, so even though I didn't know how to get it out of the computer and all this stuff, I never got worried about it because I always say I'll find someone who can help me with all that, and Absolutely. I always did. My whole life, I've always found people who could do the technical side of it sure. that I couldn't do sure. and figure it out along with me. I could create a. Uh, a um, blueprint for what we need to do, but for getting the nitty gritty, the technical side of it, right. there's people who are really skilled at that, and I'm totally. not going to learn all that. Well, what's interesting there, like the lesson learned, is focus on your strengths. Right, do what you do best, and let others focus on their strength, and surround people. With- Ab- absolutely. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, it's so critical to do that, and don't waste time trying to be, <laughs> trying to do something you're not good at. People right. doing that. <laughs> well, That's okay, so you're the largest publisher of artwork from television commercials, and then. How do you go from that, and I mean highly successful, to launching Celebradux? You know, I guess it was, you know, somebody at a party, I think he was a little bit drunk, <laughs> to be honest with you, had this idea of creating rubber ducks that look like celebrities. celebrities. Oh, well, yeah, I think and, it's kind of a cool you know, idea. And I think most people, 99% of the people would have just kind of said, yeah, right, that's going to work. But, you know, in my head... For some reason, I could visualize it. Right. And, you know, that's, isn't that really what the heart of being an entrepreneur is? You know, like, what did Henry Ford say? If you ask people what they really wanted, he'd you say, would never have a faster horse. Exactly. Right? A faster <laughs> horse. You know, I mean, no one's going to be thinking car. And it, like this, you know, I, I could just see that these things could be really cute. So I called King Features. They own the rights to Betty Boop. And I got the I got the head of licensing for North America. I said I wanted to create a rubber duck, like a Betty Boop. You know, she couldn't get me off the phone quick enough. Yeah, I could <laughs> You're tell. kidding. You know, she you was know, not like interested. A prank call or somebody. She probably <laughs> right. gets these calls all day long. You know, <laughs> right? So you make your little Betty Boop duck, and yep. you send it to us, and we'll, we'll take a look at it sometime. It, you know, and then yeah, goodbye. You exactly. Know? But you know what? I figured out someone to make me one overseas, and I actually got one made. I sent it to her. And one day I come in and 
little light blinking and the message from her. And she says, the guy, your little Betty Boop duck. It's really cute. Oh, wow. So the same person and did call you. the beginning of Celebrity Ducks. Wow. So she did call you back. Yeah. Amazing. She did when she got it. She said, wow. She saw the concept executed. She goes, wow, you know, this can be. That's so amazing. Okay. All right. Know? So, and, and it's, that was the beginning. Betty Boop started the whole thing. So talk about the growth of the company. Like how, you know, got the first one there. How has it grown? Like what's been the, the elements that have really caused it to take off? Well, you know, we were, I was putting out different ducks and they were okay, you know, okay. and they're nothing great. They weren't earth shattering. And then, but I'm always doing PR, you know, on my own, <laughs> you know, I'm always, I do all so much on my own. It would amaze you. I love it. I listen. And, we're and here talking, right? Releases, <laughs> I and love I'm it. sending it everywhere. And one day the Atlantic city press newspaper calls me back. They go, why should we do a story about you? I go, well, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> I used to go to Atlantic city. They go, okay. Good enough. <laughs> and they did a story that weekend on Celebra Duck. Wow. And the vice president of the Philadelphia 76ers, who lived in New Jersey, uh, read the story. Right. He called. He goes, we're always looking for cutting-edge promotions. This is hilarious. We want to create a Celebra Duck out of Allen Iverson, our superstar. Uh, Can you awesome. make it look like him and get all his tattoos? He had a million tattoos on him. Right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and the cornrows, the earring, the whole thing. I said, absolutely. No, I did not know Exactly what we could or could not do. You know, those little duck arms, you know, getting all those <laughs> tattoos. I didn't know, but I said, yes. So they flew out here. We met. Again, long story short, we got done with that Allen Iverson duck. It looked more like him than he did. Oh, it looked so funny. great. And wow. they had the event and they sold out the stadium. It was a huge hit. It was on ESPN. It was all over the network. Uh, we were... We were everywhere. And then the, the, the Chicago Cubs called, the Yankees called. They all wanted to do promotions. And suddenly I realized I got a whole other business. You got a whole here. business growing. Wow. I sold off the animation yep. part and I never looked back and I became all ducks. <laughs> I love that it. Was it. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, and what's cool is you've got all different types of ducks, not just like famous people ducks, right? You've got holiday ones, you've got ones for fundraisers, holiday ones, food. I mean, food, food cupcake. Ones. I mean, the costume quackers, I think, are kind of cool. The costume quackers is our best stuff. If you look at the early stuff, you see a lot of times they look a little more like, and sometimes you do it where it has like a more of a, a little bit of a human look merged with the duck look. Right. And then about two years ago, you know, I we came up with a whole new concept. My lady friend actually came up with it. Right. I, I watched a TV show, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Have you ever saw Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. Bad? I watched the whole thing. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And I was doing this little duck. And she goes, well, if you can do that little duck, he's like in a hazard suit. He's not making mess. He's making like little, <laughs> right. blue, little blue soaps right. of ducks. The little oh, blue nice. duck soaps. And she goes, you can do that. They're coming out with a new Star Wars movie, new, you know, Terminator. Why don't you do parody and do something along those lines? The Spa Wars and the <laughs> Duckinator. And, and, and all of a sudden, we had a whole new line. Only these aren't humanoid of those characters. Right. They're now actually yellow ducks dressed mm, up, giving dressed you the up. feeling of these characters. So Got it keeps it. the really yellow duck cute form transformed everything so after almost 20 years the whole company shifted into these costume quackers now we have harry ponder mr squawk the floating stones <laughs> i mean the god feather sergeant peeper's lonely hot oh tub band God. goosebusters i mean you look at them you, you i know i'm looking at them <laughs> it's the best stuff we've ever done and you know you always say why couldn't i've thought of it sooner but any right. brand goes through an evolution That's you know you true. couldn't get there from here you have no to doubt. go through what you have to go through to hone your craft 
I'm sure every musician, every filmmaker, what he's doing now is all based on everything he did before that. It's the same thing with the ducks. You know, we just got better and better and more creative. And, and now the lion is just, I mean, the ones we're doing now is our, it's our, there are top selling ones. People love them. There's nothing humanoid about it. They are just rubber yellow ducks. And yet you look at it and you go, it reminds you of these famous people. So it has that thing, you know, and, and indeed my lady friend comes up with all these ideas. She came with such witty lines like the, uh, give geese a chance. You know? right. And <laughs> you need the, you guys are probably creative together. I mean, that's the cool thing. You oh got yeah. Your, and we have a blast. And then obvious. Ziggy Starduck, I go, I don't know how to get Ziggy Starduck to look good. Then she goes, pond control to Mallard Tom. I go, we're doing it. You know, we're doing it, you know, just based on the wittyisms, you know, the humor oh and the gosh. enjoyment, we figure out how to do the, do the design, I love so you know, and wow. I mean, I'm amazed how well they've translated. All right. Let me ask you a question. So, I mean, I love the different line, the different, uh, lines, if you want to call it that, but okay. Talk about how did you decide where to get them made? Like, how did you figure out? You you said you initially found someone overseas to make the first one. Now you're made in America, but you know, talk about that process of well, of you know, only part of them made. Yeah, that was really really hard. And to be really honest with you, if I had known how hard it was to make a rubber duck, you go, how hard can it be? Right, you know, super hard to get them soft, to get them to float, to get the type of painting done on them, to get the, the, the molding, everything. It's right. Ungodly. It's not some it small task, right? In the anime. It was unbelievably, and you're working with a country thousands and thousands of miles away. Absolutely. To speak your language. Oh man, I'm telling you, Justin. You <laughs> so know, was that was your thing or did you have to, did you have to get some help there? Like, you know, are you the idea guy or are you the operator? No, I, I, it, it know, was, like, I, I bring on people, strategic partners that I work with. Sure. So I don't end up owning the factory. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in outsourcing. Absolutely. I outsource probably 99, 99% of what I do. That's what, that's what enables us to good times, bad times, you know, go through mistakes. Cause sure. we're outsourced. We're not carrying this huge overhead. I work out, you know, we're actually considered the, probably the top, you know, most creative and, and intricately sculpted rubber ducks in the world. Wow. We also are the top custom duck manufacturer in the world. We do it for everyone from SeaWorld to the Yankees to, you know, to Harley Davidson to all these companies. We're the, we're the main ones people come to, especially when they want something really detailed. And we're the only ones who will do low quantities. You go to any factory, they want three to 5,000. We'll do a thousand. Nobody will do custom work at a thousand but us in a gift box, no less. So we kind of stand alone in that field. And it was a real learning curve figuring out the factories and the right people to partner with who could actually do it. And it's still challenging. It's really, really hard. And it never become something that you just get over the hurdle. It's always something you're, you're having to work and refine. Sure. So I'm guessing some of our listeners, first of all, are already on your website. <laughs> but the second thing that I'm sure they're thinking about is some a lot of these our listeners work for large companies, organizations, etc., where this could be a total great gift, great item for their teams, organization, audience, etc. So talk about the custom process. How does that work? Well, you know, we, we, we do all our work of sculpting in the USA. We're the only ones who do that. And then we'll be, we could finish it at a factory in the US, but for cost considerations, it would be so expensive for that type of detail. When you want the really detailed ones, they want us to finish it at our small family-owned factory in China. So we start off with doing the artwork, and then we do the sculpting, then we make wax molds, then we make pre-production molds, 
Then we make all the spray masks. I mean, it's really a like, I mean, it's probably like a 20 step process and it's, it's unbelievably detailed and complex. Um, but if you do it right at the end, you know, see, that's the thing. If you, you know, and here's one of the things I always tell people, they always want to start a business. And I say, you know what? Don't compete on price. Right. Someone can always make it cheaper, cheaper you know, exactly. quality is the hardest thing to knock off because you, one thing I realized about China, they'll always go cheaper, but they won't go upscale. You know, that's not their forte. They'll go downscale to make it cheaper and knock you off, but they won't spend more money. So if you come out of the gate making it so intricate, like with our stuff, we use so many spray masks, so much detail. We put each one in their own individual gift box. We, we, we go crazy with it. Nobody can knock, no one will spend the money to knock it off. <laughs> you know? um, so we are more expensive than your traditional rubber duck, but in the scheme of things, you know, even if our stuff sells for twelve ninety nine, it's not like breaking the bank. You know, even though people think of a yellow rubber duck for a couple of dollars, but if you want something really unique, you know, if you're a fan of these celebrities or, or just you know, you want something really high quality, well, that's where we come in. I love it. All right. Well, and you have had some great lessons learned along the way. Share a couple of those with our audience. I know we talked about this before we hit record today, but share some of the things you've learned as you've gone through the process of you know building the initial company, getting this Celebrity Ducks launched and, and growing. Well, the one thing I always tell everybody is, you know, everybody when they start a business, they kind of want to be all things to all people. Right. You know, I mean, they really think that they're going to, you, you can't. You know, you can't, whether someone say you try to become all things to all people, you become nothing to anyone because you don't have any identity. You know, you really have to know that you can only own so much of a market and that's okay. Even Coca-Cola only owns so much of the market as good, as big as they are. Pepsi, Mountain Dew, everyone else, Dr. Pepper will have that. You might love the Beatles. They are the greatest band ever. I love the Beatles. But, you know, you're going to find a huge chunk of the population who it's not their favorite band. They don't necessarily gravitate to that music. You can't be everything to everyone, but you really want to find out who you want to be and own your niche. You know, focus like a laser, like a laser on what it is. Really get really clear what you stand for and really become focused on your niche and being the best that you can be in it and, and make it and bulletproof it. You bulletproof it. By becoming so good in your niche, the quality, the detail, the creativity, and the speed that you move to lock it up. It's just like, like once I did the Coke Bears, I realized to lock up that niche before anyone could get in, I immediately, like I mentioned, ran into Anheuser-Busch. I went into you know, Eminem Mars, Hershey, Pillsbury, Campbell. So no one else would even get, think of doing it. Right. So when we did the Costume Quacker line, in other words, before anyone even had a chance to even think of knocking me off, I was already doing... You know, Mad Quacks, Paddle Like is 1999, <laughs> Blue Suede Duck, you know, um, you know, the Pond Bombshell, the Material Bird. I was already, we were, I never did so many ducks so quickly to just, just to get make ahead it of clear that we are the, competition. the, the 800 pound grill in this niche, and you're not going to really move us out of it, and you're not going to compete until so you'll always be a me too poor second cousin to us. So that kind of keeps most people at bay, and, um, and it gets us focusing on what we really do best and what we're good at, you know. And like I say, you know, if don't compete on price, honestly, you know, quality will always win out in the end, you know, because like I say, you live by the penny, you die by the penny, you know, it, it, someone's going to make it cheaper. No so if question. that's your mindset, 
you know, I don't think that's a good way to go out. And it's not very, very inspiring. No, I tell you something else, <laughs> you know, we may be the top in our industry and stuff and, and be, make the best rubber ducks in the world, but I still run this whole business from home, you know, which surprises people. But you know what? It worked for Apple in the well, early why days. Why do you I need the overhead, Branson's, right? You don't need the right. overhead. I think Richard Branson is still working of out of his home. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you don't need to. You can be, make a major brand and still work at home. If, you, if, you, if the big if, you know how to manage your time and your people. Not everybody has those skills. But if you really are good at it and you can manage people, you can manage your time and you know how to, you know, like a puppeteer, you can keep all the balls floating and you have those skills, man, excessive overhead, you can eliminate so much of that because that brings down more businesses. It's the overhead that kills you. They just take on too much unless you want to do something where you just take on like all these companies that take on, they give away half their company on Shark Tank or, they, you know, they give away two thirds of it or a third of it. Or they bring in all these investors, they just keep a small percentage. If that's what you want, fine. But that's not how I'm wired, you see? And I don't think that's how lots of people are wired, you know? A lot of entrepreneurs aren't. They really want to control their baby. And right. I realized the only way to do it was to do my model because I wanted to have complete control. Look, right. when I wanted to bring the industry back to America, if I had shareholders, I would have been fired. Not maximizing shareholder value in the short term. Right. But that's what they look at. They have shareholders to please. I don't. I own the whole company. So I can spend the time and look at the long range, you know, what it could be if we own this niche. Like when we brought the industry back, we started making these PVC free ducks, 100% in America, out of food and medical grade material. They are now the safest rubber ducks in the world for babies to teeth on. Even China can't knock us off. We make them 100% in America. It's the only duck you want to give a teething baby. I make it in America. If I told my investors I wanted to do that, no way. And what a risk it was because you know what? I can spend all the time and money to make it, but there's no telling if a baby will actually want to teeth on it. You know, you don't know, but it's a risk I was willing to take in that case, even though it would take time to get the results. I felt it was a risk worth taking. And in the end it is, I and mean, we've, we sell thousands of them and, you know, in pink, blue, and yellow. And it's, it's been a great move for us. And now, and if you Google made in America, rubber ducks or anything to do with made in America and ducks in the same line, there is only us. Wow. Once again, you own your niche, you know? Wow. That's just very awesome. important. And you know, when people give out things, give out, I just want to say, when they give yeah. you promotions, yep. you can always give out a cheap little rubber duck, but that's not going to get you PR. Right. When people use our stuff. They pay a little more, but almost every media outlet they give one to is going to run a story it's right. gonna, you know, because it's different. It's unique. It's something different. You really need to stand out from the pack. You really need to let your creativity create your product. Don't just become a commodity. Become something that has a, a meaning, a message that's quirky, that's fun, that's you know that that really speaks to who you are as an entrepreneur. Totally, Very important. Totally, I love this. We could go on for like two hours. I, this yeah. is such, such great advice. So, all right, before we go though, Craig, where can our audience find you, engage with you, connect with you, etc.? Um, they can meet us at celebridux.com, uh, C-E-L-E-B-R-I-D-U-C-K-S.com. And, you know, unlike most companies, our phone number's on the top of every page, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> big letters. <laughs> we actually talk to people. So if you call and we're tied up, we actually will call you back. How um, about that? That's amazing. You can email info at com. You can like us on Facebook, you know, at Celebridux. Um, we respond to every email, every every phone call. Um, we actually try and be accessible. I try and talk to as many people as I can. I like hearing from people. 
Um, so there you go. I mean, we're really one of the easiest companies to get. I would of. say so. Rub a dub dub with stars in your tub. In your tub. I love it. <laughs> hey, Craig, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is so awesome. Man, thank you so much for having me on. Really, really appreciate it. The Contender Cast is powered by Play On Sports and King of Pops. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.